Would you like an opinion on a financial matter you're dealing with? Whether it's about retirement, investments, taxes, or 401ks, Scott Hansen and Pat McLean would like to help you by answering your call to join Allworth's Money Matters. Call now at 833-99-WORTH. That's 833-99-WORTH. Welcome to Allworth's Money Matters. Scott Hansen. Pat McLean. Glad you're with us, both myself and my co-host here. We're both financial advisors. We work with people like yourself, helping them make wise choices for their future and uh, come here broadcast our show on the weekends to be your financial advisors on the air. Yeah, so it's um, it's a financial show uh, that deals with real people and real problems and real situations. And so we take your calls, 833-99-WORTH, 833-99-WORTH. So. And we like taking calls because... I like people pretty social. (laughs) (laughs) That's one of the reasons I got into this industry. It's funny. People look at the financial planning industry. We're we're financial planning focused. And they, oh, financial advisors. You guys, you guys just, you deal with the stocks. You know, you like, where's a good place to invest right now? That's the kind of question. That's the view. It's so much more than that though. Yeah. A lot of it has to do around tax, state planning, risk tolerance, personal things that are going on in your life. And it's, Ever changing. There's a, one of the women who leads our financial advisor team at Allworth. She got into the business by mistake. Um, she had a degree in, I don't know, not, not even financial related. And she was going to be a pharmaceutical sales rep. And she did an, uh, an interview just for uh, for practice. Oh, at a financial at planning firm. At a financial firm. planning firm, right? It was just for practice. And she said, uh, they were in the middle of the interview and a, a client had come in. And the guy who was doing the interview said, do you mind waiting just a little bit while I deal with this client? And this woman came in uh, in tears. She was recently widowed. And he was back in the advisor's office 45 minutes as, as this young woman sitting there waiting on this practice interview she's doing. And she came out and she the woman was, uh, her countenance was completely changed. And um, the young woman who, who now leads our advisor team, she says, I don't know what just happened in there, but whatever that is, I want to be part of that. And so she didn't, didn't go into pharmaceuticals and ended up becoming a certified financial planner and now heads up our financial planning team. But I guess the reason I'm bringing that up, it's, it's um, like good financial planning. It's designed to help weather you through all the various storms, whether they're external, like what's going on in the volatility in the markets right now. Or it's something internal, what's happening with your personal life or your family. Having the right kind of plan in place where, where you can hope for the best but plan for the worst. Uh, and, is- and be able to actually uh, change directions if need be. Because whatever plan that actually is laid out for you. Life happens. It happens. <laughs> right? I mean, it's, right? It never quite goes right the way you plan. Yeah, everything works perfect until you involve people. Yeah, and then, uh- On paper, it was a beautiful plan. And then we involved people, and but I tell you, it's uh, this environment. Uh, it is a tricky, tricky environment. Um, it's it's hard to stay invested right now, but it's hard not to because the alternatives are so poor in many of the investments versus many of the investments that you have already. Yeah, it's it. Well, like I. I, these are really healthy periods that we go through. Like, I don't like them. I'm not saying I'm, I welcome them, but actually I do welcome them because I th- it's the normal process that the markets go through. And what we've what has been concerning to us, and we've talked about in this program over the last number of years, is some of these, these investments, these asset classes that are bid up, 
prices keep going higher, whether it's GameStop, you know, a year or so ago, or AMC, those things, the cryptocurrency that thousands of cryptocurrencies out there, Scott, or even big name tech companies that trade at huge multiples, oftentimes. When I say huge multiples, you can't even multiply because they've got no earnings. Yeah, they're worth $100 billion on electric vehicles, yet they haven't produced a vehicle yet. Yes. $100 billion worth more than General Motors. Yeah. It's been interesting, yes, yes. And so this is the first time we've seen in many years, probably since the financial crisis, where the the prices of those types of companies have gotten whacked. And we're seeing things down. As an example, uh, this was this is um, – ARK, AR, oh the K- Ark, yeah, Kathy Woods Ark Innovation, which is basically it's a tech fund of the <laughs> of the hyper growth, and yeah. she she had a phenomenal year. What was it in two thousand? Up whatever it was, ridiculous. And so what ends up happening? Investors instead of buying low and selling high, they look at what's just ran up in value. Oh look at it, look, this fund's doing so well. Because of what it just had previously happened, due to her concentration, billions of dollars have flown in. That fund, uh, from its it was peaked in February of 2021, down 74 percent. So she was buying. So, so that through, was uh, mid May. That was the tech fund of 1998. Yeah, the Janice Hayes uh, <laughs> over Helen Young Hayes Janice overseas. Right. That's what it was. That's the same. <laughs> that was what it was. I've Jim? seen this movie yeah, before. I <laughs> uh, and I, I mean, so where we're seeing for the first time in a long time, these valuations of these companies getting brought back down. And because the earnings now, earnings now matter. And I think what's health, what's healthy for this is the speculators are going to give up throwing the towel. They've started and say, Maybe this doesn't make sense to invest in these sort of things. The, uh, and the longer-term investors who actually care about companies making profits and business plans and those sort of things are going to come back and play. Option trading is way off, way, way off. And what option trading does is allow people to actually take large speculation with very little money. Yeah, so that's what— Options, yeah, options are already starting oh, to fall way down. Apart. What's amazing to me, Scott, is this cryptocurrency thing. First of all— I am the first to admit it. I am the first to admit it. I don't really understand it, nor have I ever. I've tried. I've watched movies on it. I've read books about it. But but here's the thing that, that threw me the most, right? Which is the where they have a cryptocurrency that is pegged to a stable um, asset, like supposedly stable, like the dollar. I'm like, why do you need the cryptocurrency that's pegged to a dollar? Why can't you just own the dollar if it's pegged to the dollar? Why well, did we saw? I mean, cryptocurrency—the value of invest has been roughly whacked in half. Um, and look, I understand. It's funny because years ago, having a discussion with a friend of mine, got really into into crypto stuff, and he took classes on blockchain. And the 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 argument he'd make in favor for it was always it was always the blockchain blockchain technology, and I said. Look, I understand the benefit, well, kind of understand, the benefit, I can understand the application, the benefits of the application of the blockchain and why that can be helpful in commerce and why we might see more uptake in it going forward. And maybe that is the the way contracts are going to be handled in the future. But just because cryptocurrency is built on that platform doesn't mean cryptocurrency is should be worth 
trillions of dollars. Like I, where I didn't, I didn't see the connection there just because it's built on that. Doesn't mean it's, that's the thing that should be valuable. I agree. I completely agree. But, but, but what we saw this in the last couple of weeks is with Coinbase, this, it just reminds me so much of the dot-com bubble because coin was look at all these people that were advertising on the Super Bowl for their coin exchanges, <laughs> right? And, re- and it just reminded me of, of the dot-com bubble where, uh, remember the thought, talking pet sock oh, yeah. guy? Pets.com. Pets.com, right? When they went into bankruptcy, the largest asset that they actually owned was that pet, the, the sock thing, because it had the most It was bizarre. We talked about it after the Super Bowl. That when it's a, let's say like a vanity play, Ooh. right? I mean, you do a Super Bowl ad when you've exhausted everything else. You're pretty flush with cash. You're, all your other marketing's working. You're doing it. You just kind of flexing. Yeah, as my kids would say. Yeah, they're flexing. And maybe if you if you have fifty million customers in the United States already, it's a, not a bad place. But when there's some brand new thing like this, which is all over the place, we should get these calls. Okay, and we we'll, we might we'll probably we'll, we'll come back to this. Like, yeah, because it's pretty interesting stuff. Hey, to join All Worth Money Matters with Scott Hansen and Pat McLean, eight three three. 99 worth we'll get you on we're starting here in maryland with steve steve you're with all worth money matters yes sir how you doing we're good what can we do for you yes sir um i was i have a question about um i was working uh for the government and um i had a allergic reaction to the first shot of pfizer and i saw i put a medical exemption in and they never made a determination after six weeks so they were offering an early out, and I was eight months away from full retirement, and I had to take uh, the early out, and I get a supplemental security, uh, social security, which is about almost a thousand dollars a month. And now I am working currently work making seventeen dollars an hour, and I was wondering if it is to my benefit to continue to work uh, at seventeen and not lose that on that supplemental. Or is it beneficial wow. for me to keep working? You were, you were eight months away from being vested for your pension. Yes, sir. It well, was, I got part of my, I got part of it, but I didn't get my full pension. Well, they, so what they, you probably received what's called a deferred vested pension, which you could turn on immediately, but it didn't get to its how full value. You? I am fifty-nine. And how many years of service did you have? Twenty-five. And uh, is this a state or local government or federal? Federal. You, you know, could could you could you go back to your job? No, unless I they said once you file, you cannot go back. You would have to reapply and start the process all over again. And why? So did, I, I was I, I was in a predicament. Either I take this early out or find out that they deny my medical exemption, and then I would be lose my pension and all if I didn't take it by this close out of the early out. Okay. Well, it's, the reality. So you've taken it, and the thousand dollars supplement is that. Who, who's paying security. the supplement? Social Security. It's it's a supplement of Social Security. Oh, got it, got it, got it, got it. Well, I don't understand, Scott. Well, so he's he's on disability, Social Security disability. But he's making seventeen dollars well, an hour. Well, that's how you. That's my question. That's exactly so you're making I'm going thirty. With this. You're making thirty-five thousand dollars a year. Right. How, how is well, it? I was you're making three. I was making three times that amount before. Understand, but 
how are you still getting Social Security disability if you have a job? I'm not, you, getting, I'm, I'm not getting disability. It's a supplement. And so this was all caused because you had a reaction to the Pfizer vaccine. Correct. And the Pfizer vaccine, uh, you had a reaction to the first one, so therefore you couldn't take uh, the second dose. Is this the, the case? Right. My, my doctor said it's worse than the first shot, so we'll take it. I, I was rushed to the hospital. I had uh, two nitroglycerins being given to me and an ambulance. I couldn't breathe. My it, back hurt. Have you? I, t- I just, well, so the, the question that you're, you ask us is, should you continue to work at $17 an hour? Can right. you afford to retire? Well, I am retired. Understand, but, but you're can, you af- can you afford to retire? Oh, no, my, um, not, no, not at this point. Have you talked to a labor attorney? No. I got to tell you. In a perfect scenario, you, you wonder how many. Well, finish up this okay. call. In a perfect scenario, what you would do is you'd go back and actually get your old job back or something that was of the same pay grade. You would negate that retirement. You would vest your pension in eight months because it would bridge. Um, and federal government pensions, the last time I did this with a client, we bridged pension. Um, if you were sitting in an office with any of our advisors, our recommendation would be, yeah, you probably shouldn't quit your job because you don't have enough money to retire. But more so than that, we should see if there is some sort of legal challenge to the fact that you had to retire based on this medical exemption around COVID. Right. Because nobody, not, not my managers and nerve managers couldn't give me any yeah, this is all new. Ma- <laughs> They're making it up as they go yeah. along. Suddenly they mandate a, uh, a vaccine and you have a, a reaction to it. So I, 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 the first thing I would do is start calling labor law attorneys. And I would actually, I would Google or Bing uh, federal labor law attorneys. And that's where I would start with this. Yeah, or talk to some other friends that might have had a situation. That, that's what... Yeah, it, what you really need to do is actually bridge that pension because you took a significant hit by not getting a, um, a full pension. You took what most likely deferred VESTA pension. Is that... Is that oh, he's probably some age discounts. Yeah. 59. Yeah, I made it by age, not by years, by eight months. Yep. And how much different would your pension be eight months later? Oh, I do not know. Well, I'd calculate that first Before, and, then determine, yeah, okay. and then determine yeah, whether I mean, it's so, worth yeah. approaching. But the answer to your question is, as long as they're paying you the Social Security supplement and you're still eligible for that and working at $17 an hour, you should continue to work. Yeah, okay, particularly lose, if you need the money. I'll lose that on it. I'll lose that on that $12,000 I know, a year. You're making, more than 12, you're making more than 12000 Right, I'm making like yeah, you're right. You're making thirty. Okay, you're making about if you're working full time, you're making thirty four thousand. Not a lot, but it's more than the thousand dollars a month. Yes, but yes, yes sir. Uh, so if you were if you were sitting here right now, we'd calculate what your pension would have been had you worked the other eight months. And you need to go through that calculation before you go to labor law because it might not be that. And then figure out what that delta, what the difference is, and then decide whether you want to approach an attorney in order to actually chase this thing down. 
Because okay. obviously you're able to work. Oh, definitely. Yeah, and the rules around the vaccines are much different. Uh, requiring vaccines for employees are much different now than they were yes. when you actually made the decision. <laughs> As is the evidence of the efficacy, right? I mean, right. Yeah. Right, because of, you know, what took place in the courts. Yeah. That's right. That's right. So, so that's, that's it. I have a feeling, and Steve would appreciate the call. I, I have a feeling that. You, as time goes on, we'll see more cases like this. There'll be some precedents that, and you're probably not going to know. You, you talk to a couple late. It might just something you have, you're going to have to wait a little while. Um, it's worth know, it's worth the conversation. But it's definitely worth the conversation. And you know, I appreciate the call, Steve. I think what um, Pat, this is just a reminder. Uh, this call, like so often, we talk to people about getting retirement ready. Being in a position where work's an option, not an obligation. And, it, and particularly if you're working for an employer, oftentimes the government, but also some private companies with these pensions, with the pension available, there are some, um, some certain kind of cutoffs that if you miss by a day, it can cost you thousands on, in monthly income. Thousands. Thousands. I mean, these are it can cost you. It can mean the difference between half lifetime medical or not. Remember, I remember you were working with a, a client came in and said he was. He told you he was pension eligible. His employer told you they were pension eligible. I'll never eligible. forget. I had a conversation with this gentleman. He was driving down Highway 80 from Truckee, California, and we it was his car. We had a conversation. On the mountain. He was retiring from the phone company, so he thought. And he they offered him a severance. There was some severance. There was back in the day when the company's was pension plan was overfunded. And having a conversation with him, I said, you are not service pension eligible. You leave today, you're not going to get your pension. He says, well, that's not what my manager told me. That's not what HR told me. I'm like, I don't care what you were told yet. If you read through that, I, I know I understand the plan. I was We were doing a lot of work with those folks back then. And uh, he, if he would have left, he instead of getting a $400,000 pension buyout, he would have gotten $80,000 deferred vested pension, no medical. Yep. These are important decisions. And it was Eight months. I said, you need to stay on eight months, seven months, something like that. Similar this, to Steve. Yes. It wasn't long, so. All right, let's continue. We're uh, talking with uh, Xavier in California. Xavier, you're with All Worth Money. Did I even mispronounce Xavier. That? Xavier. I didn't know how to. How do you, not that many words start with an X. Xavier, though. Xavier. Thanks for joining us. Hey, can you hear me? Yes. I can. Hey, um, so I'm uh, originally from Georgia, just moved out here, picked up um, a couple of homes in 2008. Uh, now they have approximately um, $500,000 in equity. I owe, I say, about $150,000, uh, trying to see if I should pull the money out of the equity, put it in the bank, and possibly wait for a downturn in the economy or um put the money in an index fund um, and maybe get a return, they say, of 8%. Um, okay, so let's ask a couple questions. Um, let's break down the homes individually. So the first home, uh, how much is it worth? We'll um, it home right one. now, 260000 And what do you owe on it? Uh, seventy one. And what's the interest rate? Uh, 8.65. Okay, and second home. Oh, no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Six point seven eight. Six point seven eight. And what's the second home value? Uh, right now, one hundred and seventy-one thousand. And what's do you owe? What do you owe on that? Uh, about forty thousand. And what's the interest rate there? 
of 5.25. And do you have a third home? Uh, yes. And this is a rental or your primary residence? A uh, rental. All three are rentals. Okay. And what's the value of that home? Uh, one is a townhome also, also about 175. And what do you owe on it? Uh, 40,000. And what's the interest rate? Uh, same, uh, close to about 550, I think. Okay. And do you own a primary residence? Uh, no. Where do you live? Uh, in California currently. Are you moving? And these homes are in Georgia? Uh, yes. And do you plan on moving back to Georgia? Uh, yes. Do you plan on living in one of these homes? Uh, no. And, and, how, and how are you? So when you move back to Georgia, how will you be paying for a house? Your primary residence? Uh, uh, rent, we'll probably rent a property. How old are you? Or going to my wife's home. So your wife owns a home back there? Also, yes. All right. Well, first thing you should do is refinance into lower interest rates. So let's just forget everything. And in fact, yeah, is there has there been a credit issue in the past? Why these weren't refinanced before? I just never did it. I did the research, but just never got around to it. Okay. Just in paying them down. So what you want to do is you want to you want to actually refinance home number one. That's two hundred and sixty thousand well, dollars. And. I did. I'm sorry. I did look into it, and because of the amounts forty thousand, forty thousand, and seventy thousand, it was hard for me right. to find that's, someone. That's that what would. I. That's why I'm just. That, that's you why have it all I just. One house. I fixed that because what you're going to okay. do is put it all on the first house. So you're going to pull. Okay. You're you're going to refinance and pull eighty thousand dollars out of the two hundred and sixty thousand dollar home, and you're going to then take the proceeds of that and pay off home number two and home number three. That's that's one option. That's one option. Your question was, should you pull equity out of these homes, which essentially should you, the question I believe was, should you borrow more money and, and pledge mm-hmm. those homes as collateral to turn around and invest in the stock market with the hopes of getting an 8% return? Or uh, your other solution yes. was to sit in cash and wait for home values to fall? Or the stock market yes. to fall? I wouldn't. How, how old are you? Which one? How, uh, how uh, right now, 50. How much do you make? Um, approximately out here, 52000 And does your spouse work? Uh, yes. And what's your spouse make? Uh, a little north of 110000 And do you have children at home? No. I mean, here's uh, you've got three rentals. I'm assuming they, are, they, they pay decent rent, do they not? Uh, they're not so much. Um, I guess I've been on a mission to kind of like help single mothers. So they are a little bit below market rent. <laughs> okay. That is one of the challenges with uh, residential rentals <laughs> is that you get to know the people yeah. that live there. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. Even before getting to know the people, I grew up in public housing. So I always wanted to really help single mothers Got it. Uh, in general. Oh, so that's wonderful. How much other assets outside of these properties do you own? Do you have any money in a four hundred one k stocks, bonds, anything? I had a four hundred one k in Georgia. Went from one sixty to sixty thousand in two thousand and eight. Um, when I left in about two thousand fifteen, I liquidated to kind of pay down on some of these um, properties. So no, I don't have anything else. Okay, no assets. So this is the only assets that we own. 
right? Yes. So if we and you said home number three was worth one seventy five. So you've got about is that correct? Yes. Okay. So we add this all up, right? Uh, you, you you've got about six hundred and twenty thousand dollars in in homes, but you owe one hundred and fifty on them. So the net number is a, you've got four hundred and seventy five thousand dollars in equity, and it's the only asset you own. It's the only investment that you have in the world, correct? Uh, yes, outside of car, one or two cars that's paid okay. off. Yeah. Um, so I don't think that uh, I don't believe that. First of all, your experience of getting out of the market during the downturn last time and how the dollars were invested would lead me to believe that the behavior won't be that much different this time around. Um, and so. I would just leave it at that. I would actually refinance everything into that first house and pay off number two and three and call it a day. Scott? I would totally agree with you. And then I'd work on getting that home uh, mortgage paid down by the time you hit retirement. Then you've got three rental homes for retirement. Okay. Yep. And that's how I'd work. The challenge is, look, if you take on more debt... And let's assume we go through another financial crisis. Like we, nobody knows when that could happen, but it could wipe you out. Yeah. And what you just told us is that they're not doing that well in terms of income. So you'd be adding more debt to it. So you're coming out of pocket in order to service those mortgage debt. You're moving into a different risk area that quite yeah. frankly, you shouldn't. Yeah. Anyway, uh, appreciate the call. We'll be right back. This is all worth money matters. Can't get enough of Allworth's Money Matters? Visit allworthfinancial.com slash radio to listen to the Money Matters podcast. Right, welcome back to Allworth's Money Matters. I realize that I think the majority of our listeners are podcast listeners, and um, that we still have broadcast on some terrestrial radio, which is why we take a break at the bottom of the hour. And so people listen to podcasts. It's like we haven't gone anywhere. <laughs> so, you know, we're not welcoming you back. Sorry. <laughs> We, yeah, that's right. We haven't gone anywhere. And we started doing this program 27 years ago on the radio. And, uh, and this podcast thing seems to have caught on. <laughs> Thanks. Although it's younger people, like ask someone in their 20s, they don't listen to the radio at all. My kids make fun of me because I still subscribe to Sirius Satellite. You do? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, why? Well, because I don't have enough subscriptions in my house. <laughs> you can't we only like, have like another five bucks here, eight dollars there. Uh, we don't have enough subscriptions. We need more subscriptions. We've only got every media playing thing. Which Let's talk about subscriptions. Netflix earnings, they blamed it on the customers for sharing their passcodes with other people. And I'm like, you're blaming your customers because you're not making enough money. Did I tell you about my password experience with my kids? No. Oh, so this is a few months ago. Netflix wanted to charge me more and because I had too many users. Because I've got two grown kids, 126, 124. They both still were using my network pass, which is pretty common, I guess, right? Yes. Which is what they were complaining about. And so um, I'm thinking my 26-year-old, she can figure it out on her own. But she's, she's one of those that can make your life difficult. <laughs> 
Wait, and, wait. A 26-year-old daughter that can make your life difficult. She came out of the womb kicking and screaming and never really... I love her dearly, but she can... She, well, she knows which buttons to punch oh, with yeah. you. Correct. Yes. Right? And, like you work with this big company of all these people that you're the CEO of I'm afraid all of these my, people. I'm afraid of my daughter. And none of them bother you. Like none of them can press the buttons. But 15 minutes with your daughter. <laughs> bing, bing, oh, bing. Oh, it can be the right text. So I'm like, ah, now she's going to complain too much about this. It's going to be too much pain. My 24-year-old son... He's been compliant from day one, just a sweet guy. I'm like, I'll, t- I'll tell him he can't use it. No. So I sent him an email. Hey, just to let you know, Blake, you're going to have to get your own network, Netflix link. Within three minutes, my daughter texted me, what the hell? Oh, she, so he knows. He knows. Right. That, like, yeah. Like she's like, like she's his representation. Yeah, now now they're both teasing me about it. I saw my they were both at Mother's Day there together. They're both they're like it. in tough times in the Hanson home. You can't pay for our net subscription Netflix subscription anymore. <laughs> I don't know. It's I little, mean, at some point in time, you got to cut the cord. That, that, it's baby steps here. <laughs> 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 and actually, I, I think sh- her cell phone is built. Now I think about it. So I still well, actually, I can't. Um, I have no room to talk. I have no idea how it happens okay. in my family. <laughs> no idea. That all was I completely know is, off topic. All I know is that um, my uh, hotel points <laughs> apparently are just up, totally up for grabs <laughs> for everyone in the family. <laughs> so all the work you've done over the years <laughs> to make sure you maximize those points. So every once in a while, you can get a free couple nights somewhere. Yeah, there are uh, apparently... Um, completely up for grabs. Uh, you know how I know this? Because my son texted me and said, thanks, beautiful hotel room. And I'm like, to my wife, what's this about? Oh, I let him use the points. <laughs> of course you did. These are rich people problems. <laughs> anyway, so Netflix um, earnings way down. Um, their stock prices way, way down. down. But one of the things I thought was quite funny is they said, well, the problem we have is people share passcodes. I'm like, right, yeah. That's all my whole thing. Well, I'm the Hanson family is helping to contribute to the success of Netflix because yeah. my son now pays for his own subscription. It doesn't have, or is you, or he found a friend to use. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe it, it's, it doesn't have anything to do with these multi-million-dollar deals that you are paying for companies to develop content. It has everything to do with the subscribers sharing their passcodes. The reality is, maybe no one would subscribe if they didn't. Um, Share your passcode. Well, I think you, we see network Netflix. It's it's all these these companies that did so well during the early days of the pandemic. By and large, they're all having a oh, tough time. Right Zoom, now. Peloton, Peloton. There's question if they're going to survive. Yes, and they, they grew so fast and never made a dime. Again, back to what we started the show with. Never made a penny. They had revenue. They just didn't know how to turn it into profit. And the companies that are doing well, or, or at least treading water are those old line companies that actually manufactured, sold things, have some pricing power, some pricing power, but made money. Yeah. But yeah, been around and always made money. It's these ones that, and it's, you know, what's I think is interesting about business too. You think about like Peloton, the decisions that they made as an organization, you can use data only so much. So we can look at data how many people are using the bikes, how many new bikes you're selling every day, whatever the whatever data you want to look at. It's all review uh, it's all in the rearview mirror by nature. That data is not going to tell you how tomorrow, people- next month, 
It's all behind us. Or how people were going to change their behavior. Which is exactly right. So there was a big bet that some of this is going to stay the same. People are going to enjoy working out of their homes instead of going to the gym. People are going to stay socially distanced forever. And here we are now. It's 25 months into the 20 ever past the pandemic, when the pandemic started. And people are just throwing caution to the wind for the most part. You go out in public and people are like, I'm returning to normal. COVID be damned. Like, I mean, that's kind of what, including going to the gym, including going to the gym and people, uh, I think majority of people were not expecting that. That's true. Let's, uh, let's take, let's go back. Oh, we want to talk about, um, before we go back to the calls, uh, cryptocurrency, because we were, there's some calls on the hold. So we want to, yeah, we did want to go to those. So here's what, go ahead, Scott. Cryptocurrencies, at least a couple few weeks back were valued at what two trillion dollars yep now they lost about half of that the thing about crypto and the reason why i never bought any the reason why we don't make recommend it to our clients is it doesn't produce anything it doesn't it's just based on confidence there's no interest for it there's no it's it's no different. It's no different than buying any other asset that doesn't produce anything. The pin in my hand produces nothing. If I could find somebody in the future, if I pay a dollar for this pin, and someone in the future is going to pay me ten dollars, hmm, turned out to be a pretty good investment for me. Speculative investment, but it doesn't produce anything. My only hope of making money on this pin in my hand is finding somebody who will pay more for it than what I paid for it. So the confidence that it will continue to increase. That's what's run up the, the price of crypto. And then these new coins came out. People pumping them online. They go up in value. Dogecoin, people that the coins that were like a joke. People investing their life savings in these things. And the kind of pullback we've seen was quick and well, severe. I think it's going to get worse. And the reason is the exchanges, right? Coinbase came out. It was Coinbase. and said, oh, by the way. Just as oh, an aside, yeah. as an aside, if we go into bankruptcy, your coins could be considered an asset of the organization and would be subject to whatever bankruptcy laws apply. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> That's like, put this in perspective. You own an S&P 500 index fund and you have that fund held at Charles Schwab, let's say. This is only an example. And like if Charles, let's assume Charles Schwab goes bankrupt, it doesn't matter. It's not going to impact your S&P 500 fund because it's, it's your custody there. Yeah. It's, it's held there. There's actually insurance in place. Should they blow up that ensures you own those shares? You, it's not an asset that could be used to pay off a creditor, but so Coinbase, because there's no regulations around it. No one really knows. So they had to come out in their public disclosure and say, oh, by the way. Now, if that didn't freak you out, if you had money there at any of these, and it's just not Coinbase, it's all the exchanges. And the exchanges have been set up so that you can trade one cryptocurrency for the other cryptocurrency, or the other cryptocurrency, or turn it back into cash at some point in time. This whole thing. Does this well, coin- remind you of Beanie Babies at all? Without the Beanie the same Babies? Thing. It's all the same. 
I mean, we were talking that a lot of it just felt like the dot com, and you're missing out. Yeah, fear of missing out. Yeah, I had a friend of mine. Um, this was a f- few weeks ago. We we're at a our daughter's volleyball game, sitting there talking, and he's talking about some crypto or whatever, or what I think about crypto. And I said, look, I kind of explained a little bit what we're talking about, but I said, maybe I'm wrong. And maybe Bitcoin's going to keep going higher and some of these other things are going to go higher and I'll miss out. I said, I'm okay with that. (laughs) I'm all right. (laughs) I'm fine with missing out on it because I've worked hard to develop a broad, broadly diversified portfolio. Like if I miss that on, I said that, but if I participate in these things with the hope that it's going to continue to go higher and I'm wrong, that could start to really sting. So that's why I don't participate. So let me get this right. You didn't change your investment strategy because something bright and shiny floated by? That is 100% correct. Right? You had a- Not to say that there's not there's new innovations or whatnot that make sense to invest in, but this is like a totally different class. I mean, this is- It's all based on the fact that someone- There's no earnings there. No, it doesn't produce anything. In fact, there's no look. The At least my pen in my hand, I could use to write. Yeah, the difference between Rivian, Peloton, these companies that didn't make any money and still traded at high multiples, they had a chance of producing something. That's correct, and they still have a chance. <laughs> they still have a chance. And I guess Coinbase, to be fair, they still have a chance of having customers. That That's right. They the exchanges. Anyway, Coinbase, when it went public, it was worth. $100 billion. Holy smokes. I don't know where you grew up. Where I grew up, that's a lot of money. Down over 80%. There's a lot of these, these, these high growth stocks that have just gotten pummeled. And look, if, you, if, if at the start of this year, you had a broadly diversified portfolio, quite a bit of your equities were index funds, maybe you tinkered with a few things around the edges, you're fine. The markets will recover. You, you are down though. You're down, but the markets will recover. They always have. The declines are temporary. It will be followed by a another bull market that'll push things higher. On the other hand, if you were overloaded in some of these other things, there may not be any coming back. Yeah. And it doesn't necessarily make sense for you to hold these things forever. Markets come back. Individual companies and don't individual speculations don't always come back. Let's uh let's take some calls here. Uh 833-99-WORTH. We're talking with John in California. John, you're with Allworth's Money Matters. Uh, so I have a question about uh, buying the perfect retirement home in the current real estate market. All right. <laughs> I don't think a perfect home exists, but anyway. All right. Where you go? Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. Let's say uh, better or um, enjoyable. Okay. But anyway, my, um, so my wife just retired. I'm semi-retired. And um, she's 62, I'm 59. And so we have, um, over the last couple of years, been living actually in our vacation home. And our goal before COVID was to take the money from our vacation home, our primary residence, and then kind of pool it and buy a, you know, really, um, you know, I guess a dream home, if you will. And um, now with the real estate market going crazy we're we're evaluating that thought process got it you still but you still own two homes now no we sold the primary Ah. home in september of 2020 and moved to the vacation okay 
and moved to the vacation. And where was the primary home? Long Beach, California. And where was where's the vacation home? Uh, La Quinta, California. Okay. All right. What's your question for us? Uh, I'm just trying to find out or get your perspective on we're been actively looking at properties and actually we're going to look at one tomorrow. It's one point, it's going to be about 1.7 million. And I'm kind of trying to get a gut check of whether it makes any sense to do that. What, what do you have in the, the proceeds from your Long Beach home? How much do you have set aside from that? Uh, five fifty. And, and what in the vacation home, how much? Uh, we're guessing it'll be about six seventy and cash once it sells. And what do you owe on it? We figure it's worth seven fifty and oh thirty. Okay. So you've got roughly one point two five cash to put towards the house, right? A one point seven million dollar home. And what how much other assets are there? Um, there's $3 million in equities and bonds, um, maybe another fifty grand in cash, and then uh, a pension. How much is the pension? Uh, uh, 10000 per month. Got it. Gross. Gross. All right. And the $3 million in equities and bonds, uh, how much of that – how much is outside of IRAs? Uh, 1.5. Okay. And could you come up with uh, $500,000 in cash? $600,000 in cash from that brokerage account? Do you have that much in bond there? Um, I have two. There's 200000 I'm sorry. There's 300000 in cash in, in there right now, just sitting there. Um, so I'm not sure of your question. You know, obviously, if I sold some of the stocks um not necessarily the stock but the bonds or if you had a mortgage there's no no bonds in the there's no bonds in the um taxable account there isn't okay no and if you had a a mortgage of four hundred fifty thousand at four percent right 30 years it's about 2100 bucks a month is what you're you'd be fine mortgage payment yeah you'd be fine the um you you plenty of assets plenty and whose pension is it is it yours or your spouse. Uh, it's my wife's. It's a Calster's. No, I was. You didn't need to tell us that. We knew. <laughs> <laughs> and how much? Uh, how much longer are you going to work? I'm uh, thinking about two years. So the gut check is: Can we swing this? Yes, you yeah, can. Yeah, you can. Yeah, you can. Yeah, you can. You know, you, you, you obviously you took a little bit of hit uh, being out of the real estate market in Southern California for two years, but it wasn't significant. You know, I mean, the reality you, is you know, you've got plenty of money, money house money. You just don't have quite as much house money for the house that you want. If you didn't have, I mean, you have two good things going for you. One, the three million bucks saved. Two, the ten grand a month pension. And we're not you, even. If counting. you took one of those away, it might be a different story. Yeah, you're fine. But you've got them both. Yeah. And your wife won't be getting Social Security or much of, but you will. Yes, I will. And and this doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to be in this house to your dying day either, right? You, 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 We're thinking 10 years. Yeah. And do you have yeah. children? Um, uh, yeah, I left it out. No children. So we want to spend our money. Uh, oh. yeah, yeah. You know what I would do? 
well, I'd buy the house, and in a couple of years, if I thought it was going to stay there for a long period of time, I'd throw a reverse mortgage on it. Mm. If I thought it was going to okay. stay there, and then I'd spend every dime. Yeah. The last <laughs> check I wrote would bounce. Yeah. You could swing this. Yeah. Yeah, you're okay. easy, easy, easy. You should. So your gut check is good. Okay. You're, you know what? You're, you so much. You're concerned about it. Is the reason you've got the three million dollars saved? Yeah, it might be, <laughs> right? Because <laughs> it, it's uh, it is a little painful to think about spending John money on the house. <laughs> you, John, you show me someone that doesn't worry about money. I'll show you someone that doesn't have any. All right. Yeah. Appreciate All the right, call. Guys. Thank you so much. All right. Appreciate Thanks. it. Take care. Head to Florida. Talk with Pete. Pete, you're with Allworth Money Matters. Hey guys, great talking to you. I love listening to you guys. Thank you. What could we do for you? Well, my question is in general about Roth conversions. Uh, I am I am currently retired, receiving Social Security. I'm 67. My wife is still working for about another year and a half to two years. And in that time, with with our combined incomes, we plan to pay off our house. And then basically we'll both be on Social Security and some other miscellaneous income. I take about 1% out of our total of like our IRAs and 401ks just to kind of accelerate the house payment. And after, at that point we'll be in, I, I believe we'll be in a probably a 10% or a 12% bracket. Yep. And we have... Um, Currently, right now, between like eight seventy and eight hundred and eighty thousand dollars. And how much of is that in? Yeah, how much? How much of that is in Roth already? How much is in qualified or pre-tax dollars? And how much is in brokerage or after-tax dollars? We have nothing in Roth. Okay. Um, Everything we have is in four hundred one ks and IRAs. Do you have any money uh, outside of 401ks or IRAs? Um, no, other than just we have we have excess income each month right now of probably between thirty four and thirty eight hundred dollars. Okay, and that's that's what we're using to accelerate the mortgage payment. But oh. no, that if we if we converted, it would come out of the IRA money. Yep. yep. And let's two years out. Let's assume it's two years out. What's the, what's the family income at that point when your wife's fully retired? Well, we'll both be receiving Social Security, and then I I after after ta- I pay a little bit in taxes on a on a disbursement that I get from a um, IRA, and that's about six fifty a month. So Social Security, I'm estimating in two years, we'll probably both be getting somewhere around 1900 and or, or 3800 combined. Yep. Yep. Yeah, I, I mean, I think it, and, and then, you absolutely should be looking at anything you convert in that 12% tax bracket. I would convert right. that 12%. Absolutely. Tax Even if you have to use the okay. uh, portion of your Roth. Yeah, absolutely. Tax. Absolutely. Absolutely. And then you, all you have yeah, to do is do... That's the way I would, you just do some pro formas with your taxes. So does someone else prepare your taxes or do you do your own? No, I do it on TurboTax. Okay. Well, easy enough. So, so just pull up and figure out how much you go in before you drive yourself in the next highest yeah. marginal 
tax bracket. This November or December, you look at it this year, and you can, every year you can and redo make it. that decision. Well, at, at, I guess that brings up another question. At that point, when we're both receiving Social Security, um, that counts towards our tax bracket, correct? Well, part of it. Yeah. It's called provisional income. Right. Okay. Well, I was what I was thinking was I, I kind of do a lot of doodling on paper. And what I was thinking was like if I did like sixty thousand a year, most most of our money right now is in my wife's four hundred one ks and IRAs. Mine has maybe a hundred and fifty, hundred and seventy thousand somewhere around there. But we did it because she's five years younger than me, so okay. she's got ten years before she has to start taking a distribution. Yep. And and what I was thinking was if we did about sixty thousand a month. I mean, a year. I'm sorry, and paid uh, whatever. Well, well, I don't know if know. sixty might. You might not be able to do that much this year. Um, that's that's why you want to do. That's why you want to do what ifs with your tax return yeah. every like, year. That sounds really high right. to me. Just off. Yeah, you've already got well, forty thousand Social Security. Another sixty, and then we would get the standard deduction, right? Yeah, it's about a hundred grand, or oh, give or take. Yeah, but your wife's earning right, income, right. and you're and you're taking Social Security. So the only way you're going to get to the real number right, it could right. be it could be sixty. It sounds a little high to me, uh, but the only way I'd actually okay. do it is is go in and do yeah, some I'd pro do, forma. I, the latter part of this year, I'd go and run the numbers and see what the tells you. If it tells you sixty, which I don't think it will, but whatever it tells you, that's what you want to what that's what you want to go with. And, and then it, you won't know for two thousand twenty three. Until the latter part of 2023, and we won't know in 2024. I mean, odds are there's going to be some changes in the tax laws between now and. But it's a good idea. Summer. You just yeah. got to make the decision anew every year. Yeah. Appreciate the call, Pete. Well, we got about. Uh, man, the time goes. So, Scott, on our website, we have a guide that we just put up there this last week called The Ultimate Guide to Inflation. So, we're seeing. What inflation? It is hard to believe, isn't it? It is hard to believe how much inflation we're having. Yeah, and 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 we're from the state of California, where the minimum wage goes up in January based upon uh, inflation. inflation. So it feeds itself. That's right. It feeds itself. <laughs> uh, but this guide is worth taking a couple minutes to uh, to look at uh, the ultimate guide to inflation. It talks about the history of inflation, how markets have performed through inflationary periods. Three different types of inflation. Yeah, and and it gives you kind of a good background on what the Federal Reserve does and has done in the past in order to combat inflation. So. And it also, there's a chart that shows how the overall markets have done relative uh, in times of inflation. Yes. Yeah. So again, it, history is, is some sort of a guide. It's not clearly the, the predictor of the future, but... Uh, it's important for people to get a, a good understanding of what's going on in inflation. So, again, at allworthfinancial.com, allworthfinancial.com, it's the ultimate guide to inflation. Not just any guide. That's what it says right here. I'm looking it's at it. It's the ultimate guide. What it is, how long it might last, and what you can do about it. Allworthfinancial.com. And uh, we're out of time this week. It's been great being with you. We'll see you next week. This is Allworth's Money Matters. This program has been brought to you by Allworth Financial, a registered investment advisory firm. 
Any ideas presented during this program are not intended to provide specific financial advice. You should consult your own financial advisor, tax consultant, or estate planning attorney to conduct your own due diligence.